my first priority next year is just to uh, sort of learn again what it's like to be uh, an adult and not be a pro cyclist. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Wake Dead Drink Repeat, the podcast for today's dad. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Palmer. Uh, before we get into my conversation this week with Brent Bookwalter, i got a couple things I want to go over with you guys. As always, if you could take a second, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share it with a fellow dad, that would be awesome. As you guys know, those are the best ways to keep this show growing and going, so I always appreciate it. And while you're at it, be sure to follow along with us on social media, and you can always drop me a line at todaysdad at wakedaddrinkrepeat.com to let me know your thoughts on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Brent as much as I did. And really, uh, really cool dude. Super glad to get this second to talk with him and um, excited to hopefully see him uh, at the Bookwalter Binge in October over in uh, Black Mountain, North Carolina. So hopefully some of you guys can make it out there to do that as well. So I will stop John away and uh, we'll jump into my conversation with Brent. We'll jump in here. We're we're joined today by Dad One. He's the founder of the Bookwalter Binge. He's an Olympian. He's a professional cyclist for Team Bike Exchange who recently announced his retirement from the sport at the end of the 21 season, Brent Bookwalter. Brent, man, thanks for joining us on this pod. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to uh, yeah talk talk dads in the dad realm, and uh, uh, I'm honored. Hopefully, I'll learn a, learn a thing or two from, uh, ah, from you and the audience here. <laughs> don't uh, don't set yourself up for failure that soon, man. I, don't, <laughs> I am. I am. I'm here to be a sponge. I, uh, I don't know that I do much educating, but you know, it's, it's the fun of it, but, um, it's cool, man. I, you, so you, when you're, when you're back in the States, you're over in Asheville, so you're not too far away from, from where I am in Knoxville. Um, so it's, uh, it would have been cool to have done it in person, but I'll take you across the pond. <laughs> for sure. Well, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll link up for a follow-up face-to-face where, uh, yeah, we're just over in Asheville and, um, my wife grew up in Knoxville area. So yeah, between, between Asheville and Knoxville, he can find us usually in one of those places, whether it's the off season or just another trip back to the U.S. That's fun, man. Yeah, I, uh, I was creeping on your Instagram, I guess, the other day when I was kind of prepping for the show and I was laughing at one of the photos you'd put up of you like riding in Nashville and there's a black bear off, you know, over to the side. <laughs> like, it's a little, probably a little different riding there as from, from uh, in some regards compared to being over in Europe, but it's probably a lot oh, of similarities sure. too. <laughs> The Europeans here cannot fathom bears rolling across the road. You know, it's, it's pretty pretty rare to see a bear, um, really, in any any part of Europe that I've been to. Um, not as much wildlife. So, yeah, I, I love that about Asheville. I love the the wildlife density and the yeah all the all the wilderness that surrounds us. And it's it's a whole another can of worms over here um, in Girona, Spain, where we're based. Also, a lot of a lot of natural beauty, um, but I'd say more of that just European or old world charm um, yeah. than like natural, uh, you know, wilderness. Forest. Yeah, I was telling you um, right right before we hopped on, I was I was having a cup of coffee with Kevin Sprouse, and um, he was one of the first first guests we had on the show, and um, it was right after they had him and his wife and his family they had decided to like set up camp in Girona for. Um, like they pulled the kids out of school here and like went there for like six or eight months or something. And like, you know, really like did the, did the European thing. And that was their goal prior to the pandemic was to kind of go back and do that again and whatever. Yeah. But um, the photos, some of the photos he shared with us of Girona, man, it's just, it is just gorgeous. Like what a cool town. It's very charming. Yeah. It's, it's um, it definitely fits the the sort of fairy tale realm of um, yeah. What, when when I was a kid, if I would have dreamed up, yeah, what living in Europe would it be like? This this is kind of it. Like, 
old uh, old castles and cathedrals and a wall that goes around the old city and cobbled streets and yeah long-range views of the snow-capped Pyrenees and then just over the hill long-range views of the Mediterranean and um yeah a whole, a whole different way of life so it's been a wild ride we've been over here for over 10 years now um off and on this has been our European base and our, uh, our son was born here last year um wow. so yeah it feels uh feels like feels like another home we're always it's a, it's a weird balance having two two places to live that are I feel like you know close to my heart and that I really love um I guess it's a privilege and luxury really so I mean go into your son Wayland's 18 months old um you know there's I would imagine as you're probably watching like your career coming to a close and knowing that maybe that's not going to be an option as much as like we're spending half the year here and half the year here and whatever like is it um have you have you kind of thought through any of that at all of like man the opportunity for him to not really have those memories implanted of that or is it really just yeah yeah we're yeah we're, we're sort of working working through what the next phase is going to look like now um in the in the short term um we're still going to be back here i'm i'm going to retire from pro cycling at the end of the season but we'll be back here next year my wife's uh jamie she's working on finishing up her phd out of cool. a university in Barcelona. So uh, we're committed to yeah, seeing that through. And, and yeah, Waylon was born here and he's, he's in nursery school here and has his little homies and, and loves it. He's, he's not speaking much of any language yet, but um, <laughs> he's definitely, he definitely understands Catalan, which is the native language here. And yeah. just as well as English when our, when our Catalan friends, when they speak to him and, ask him, you know, what sound does the cow make or, you know, come here and sit down, please. Or, you know, would you, you know, basically all that, all that basic stuff that he's communicating when they ask it in Catalan, he's right there with them and, and understands it. So that's cool, um, man. Yeah. We're, we're really thankful for that. And, you know, I don't know if we'll end up here for, you know, much of his, you know, older childhood life, but um, hopefully we're building them some synapses in that, in that, in that head of his and, and exposing them to that, uh, yeah, different language and different sounds and sights and everything. It's such a unique thing. Like I was, you know, we've had, you know, I shared with you and for anybody who doesn't know, you should go back and listen to some of these episodes, but you know, we've had some other cyclists on the show, Lawson Craddock, Vandeveld, I'll include Sprouse in that just because of kind of the same realm of going back and forth. But, um, you know, I remember talking with Christian about it and he was saying, just that time period for his daughters. Cause they were so young moving through that phase. And, you know, for you guys, like you've been there 10 years. So, so much of that culture and everything's really implanted there. Um, yeah. and I, th- I think he was saying, I may be misquoting him, but he was basically saying like, they don't really remember, like, it's not like as romantic to them <laughs> and whatever it's yeah. <laughs> as it probably is to, to you all as the adults in that situation. But I just, I think of the unique opportunity for kids to just I mean, to really be exposed to just different cultures in the world in that way, like what a, what a cool thing. Yeah. It's, it's already given us, you know, just in the first year and a half, it's given us a new appreciation for that. I think hopefully we can continue to make it a priority to, you know, no matter where we are, continue exposing them to a language and, and keeping them moving. He's a, he's a pretty robust little traveler. You know, he did his first yeah. transatlantic trip when he was about two months old. Um, last year, kind of fleeing Spain during the, the early pandemic stages, going back to the U.S. And he's done that trip back and forth a few times now. So 
he's um he's living a pretty action-packed um <laughs> unique diverse life for better or for worse we try to yeah try to try to see it and make it as better but um it's it's wild for sure do you um how are you feeling about that slowing down for you a little bit, man. Are you kind of excited to maybe be feel a little more planted and not have as much travel going, or you, you think it's yeah. gonna be something you're gonna miss? Yeah, I think I'm. I'm mostly very excited for for the change up, turning the page, and going to that next chapter, and um, being a dad is part of that for sure. New, there's so much more new meaning at home now, um, sure. and it's it's I currently in my current state it's challenging to balance as i'm still trying to finish the season strong and still uh still am a pro pro cyclist but um but yeah i'm i'm really excited to be more available for Waylon and really just have the i guess the flexibility and the liberation of not having to always think about how my legs are feeling and how i'm recovered <laughs> and um you know is my back blown out from a big ride and then picking them up and are you know i've been doing this my whole adult life so my body's it's really good at riding a bike, but it's, it's not that good at chasing a little uh, toddler around. That's for sure. So, so yeah, I need to, um, I'm excited to, uh, yeah, hopefully get in the weight room and, um, you know, rebuild my system a little bit and take some of that energy I've been throwing into the bike every day and just throw that right into chasing him. Cause I know he'll, he'll just soak it all up from what we Yeah, seen. man. That's a fun age too. Like that, that's like, there's so much, um, like life being discovered at 18 months, you know, I mean, they're just really my, <laughs> my oldest, my daughter Anderson is 10 and, um, our youngest Oliver, uh, is he is three. So we're, you know, we're okay. a little bit ahead of you on that one, but man, that is that run, the, like our last 15 months, that run has been crazy to watch just that growth <laughs> and whatever. So it's, that's a cool, that's a cool time frame to be a parent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Whew, it's a wild ride. I don't know. <laughs> it blows my mind every day. It's you trying to, um, it's a constant cycle of joy and challenge just on repeat. I find it's like, but, um, but yeah, trying to see the world through his eyes is, is eye opening and in, in perspective that oh, makes, uh, it makes, makes little simple moments really hard and challenging, but it also makes them as you know, really rewarding and, and exciting. And yeah, the bewilderment is huge we've talked about it on the show before, especially with cyclists, but, but a lot of times with athletes of just, you know, the life of an athlete is a very, and, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, but it's just, it's a very selfish life, right? Like you've really got to prioritize yeah. 100%. your sleep, your body, everything. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. And yeah, I, I, I'm, everybody has said this. So I'm curious to hear your answer too, but like when you guys found out that you were pregnant, that you were going to be a dad, like, how was that mentality shift for you of like <laughs> adding another piece to the mix? <laughs> yeah, honestly, like I obviously I had no idea what I was in for. Um, and I, it, it was daunting, but also exciting. I felt like, um, yeah, I felt like my wife and I, we were ready for it. Um, we were excited for it. Uh, we we're, yeah, I was, let's see, I'm 37 now. So yeah, I was, yeah, just over 35 when he was born. And, um, so yeah, not, not a spring chicken in terms of, uh, getting into the dad game. So, um, so yeah, I didn't know really how it was going to work and I still don't really know how, how it works, but, um, but yeah, the, the balance is, the balance is really hard. It's, it's something I have, I have a huge amount of respect for my peers. Um, some of who had kids very young in their career and they've, 
you know, essentially had their whole career and had to find and create that balance um, of, of being a parent and a pro cyclist. And for me, um, I feel like I've, you know, have had two, two solid seasons, albeit um, sort of affected weird ones with the race cancellations last sure. year and all that. Um, but it's, it is, uh, it puts the, 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 the focused obsessive selfishness, um, totally in a new light. It's, um, it's really hard. It, it's a, it's a constant like sort of push and pull and struggle of, yeah, what do I value and where do I place the priority? And, um, I look at, I look at the minutes and the hours on the bike and the days away a lot differently than I used to, um, for better and for worse. I, I definitely don't get bored on a, on a flight or a, a race day travel, um, a trip away. I'm it's quite luxurious to put in the headphones or watch a TV show. And Oh, I'm sure, man. <laughs> <just zone> out. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I loved, um, you know, I loved on your guest form, you know, one of the questions I always ask everybody is just like generic at the end, like tell me books you're reading shows you like to watch, whatever. And I, I loved your, I've forgotten what TV and movies are since becoming a parent. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's probably, you're, you're probably already pretty busy. You were probably already pretty busy and tapped out outside of being a parent. And then you add that to it. And I'm sure it, it definitely is a whole nother, a whole nother ball game. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people's jobs are the, are the same way, especially anything you do at a high level. Yeah. It, it takes, takes as much effort as you want to put into it. So yeah, you know, for me, pro cycling, if I want to devote every minute of a 24 hour day to it, I can, you know, whether it's, the mental work, the physical work, um, you know, the sure. mechanical prep, the, it's just, um, it's just endless and, you know, essentially always on the clock. So yeah, that's one thing I'm looking forward to, you know, moving on and sort of just getting off the clock and not, not inv- inventorying every little calorie I put in my body and every minute <laughs> spent on my feet and every minute in bed and checking the HRV and heart rate in the morning and, you know, doing all this. All well, this sort of, you know, it was, when you were when you were in Knoxville a couple months ago for the US Pro, I was sitting on the side of the street drinking a beer with my dad and my grandfather because it was we were celebrating Father's Day. So we, we came down to the race, took them down to the race, yeah. and we we were sitting there drinking. And I was you know looking at my uh, my aura ring, what it had told me how tired I was going to be from drinking that day as we were watching you all sweat your asses off. So <laughs> that was. Um, that was a while. This is total side tangent. And anybody who's not a super cycling fan, I'm sorry for the rabbit hole. We're going to go down here for a minute, but that was a hell of a race this year, man. That was, that was a wild race. Thanks. Yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, yeah. For me, that, that race was, a it was a crazy whirlwind, you know, even weeks and months out, it was a lot of, um, him and Han, like, you know, I'm the only American on my team. So the team sort of like, you know, if we don't have any races going on, you can go, but like, you're kind of on your own. And so generally if I have a free weekend, I don't opt to go to another bike race, Right. (laughs) but it is a national championships and it is in a place that's dear to my heart and around people that are really dear to my heart. So, um, yeah, eventually after a lot of your liberation made it there, but you know, was basically as playing mechanic and, you know, Swanee and team director and everything for myself while trying to have this valuable family time with, uh, with my in-laws. And also my parents came down, my brother was there. Um, we started, I sort of decided I was going to, you know, I'd made the call about wanting to retire at the end of the season, decided to go ahead and get it out in the open, um, partially so that weekend could be kind of a celebration of 
what my yeah. career has been and excitement of what's going to come in the future. Um, but it was intense. It, it was, uh, it was a whirlwind trying to just process all that and sort of fielding, you know, the, the positive energy that was coming my way from that. Um, but also really inspiring. I think, you know, having, having that, knowing it was my last one, having all the family there, it was one of my most memorable races in my pro career for sure. Oh, and, I imagine, man. It um, was, I loved, I loved you being up on the podium with your son. And I mean, I, I love that about cycling in general. I love when you guys get up there on the podium and pull your kids up. I just think it's a cool thing, but that was, that was a really great, I was, I was just down on gay street this morning, you know, like right, right where you yeah, guys were with that. It was, it's uh Oh yeah. What a cool they opportunity. They do a good job of that race there. It's iconic location in Knoxville, having it right there on gay street. And um, yeah, really challenging course. And um, yeah, I guess sort of a lifetime highlight for me to have, uh, have Waylon on the podium with me. And um, yeah, even if he doesn't remember it, we'll have those, have those images and memories to stories to tell him and share with him. So that last lap, we had come home, we went down, we watched the first couple laps. My grandfather's 88 and um, is a long time. I, I started riding because of with and because of my grandfather. Um, so like that's, we've, very have shared a lot of passion for the sport over the years through that. So it was cool to bring right. him down to it this year and, and sit there with him and do it. But he, you know, it was, it was a hot day, man, as I'm sure you remember, <laughs> yeah, we were, he, he was done. So we came home and started, we were drinking some Prosecco sitting inside in the air conditioning, watching it. <laughs> and uh, that was <laughs> uh, that last, those last couple laps, man, that was just, it was such a good race. Like you guys just, I mean, all of you guys, obviously, but like you lost and you guys were all right up there uh, towards the end there. It was, that was a really fun, really, really fun national championship race. It was exciting. It felt in a lot of ways, it felt miraculous, you know, being there for me, you know, no teammates sort of just fell up against it, against the teams all day. And um, just, uh, I guess, another testament to persistence and keep believing and keep, keep trying. And um, yeah, I was, I was really really pleased just to be still playing for the, you know, playing for the results and playing for the win those that last few laps. And yeah, old, old Joey got away. Um, who's yeah. also, yeah, Joey's, um, he's a good buddy of mine. We were teammates for a long time and we're good friends here in Jonah, Jonah. He just became a dad also. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, he, I think he was the only one without a kid on the podium there, but, um, he, he is, uh, his little son who was just born, wasn't too far, too far off. So. Another, another one of the dad community. Yeah. That's cool. It's um, I'm, I'm sure that was a really, it was, it was it, as a, as a spectator, as a fan, as whatever, just that whole weekend with you announcing your retirement with TJ announcing his, like, it just, it felt like just this really like, I don't know. I mean, cause it's the, that race has been here for a couple of years, but there was something about this year that just felt like the buzz was really like on another level. And I don't know if it's cause people have missed racing and whatever, but it was, yeah. it was a really, it was a really special event this year. It felt like. Yeah. Glad to hear you say that too. That'll yeah. I'll forever uh, have a good memories of that one that weekend in Knoxville for sure. I'm sure, man. I'm sure. So what's uh, I mean, obviously you said you guys may be coming back or you are coming back there with your wife and uh, for her to finish her PhD and whatever, what's, what's on the docket for you and for you and Wayland during that time, man, you guys just going to party around in Spain and <laughs> kick <laughs> yeah, it or no, hopefully. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. The next year is, is sort of, um, yeah, still a bit of an open book. I think my first priority next year is just to, uh, sort of learn again, what it's like to be uh, an adult and not be a pro cyclist. I've been doing this my whole adult life. So, 
um, yeah, sort of, you know, rekindle my relationship with the bike in a fun way. Um, yeah, learn what it means to be a husband and a dad who's not, you know, whisking in and out of town every weekend and constantly obsessed about my, my, yeah, my, yeah, like how my legs feel, my body feels and what all those, all those crazy details. So, but yeah, definitely looking forward to more time with him. Um, also looking forward to be honest, to our, we're really happy with our, our nursery school, um, little daycare system we have set up for him here, here they start here they start kids really young it's like three or four months um they have wow public you know essentially daycares but from that three months till about three years they're in the same sort of um there's like three levels broken up into that but uh the same little school so and yeah we love it he loves it um you know i try to take him in you know as often as i can or pick him up um you know when i'm in town and got the seat on the back of the bike, we strap him in and it's a quick five minute ride over there. And yeah, he's got all of his, all of his little friends and homies there and always goes in super happy and comes out charged up. So that's, so fun. yeah, I mean, that's not direct time with him, but in terms of, you know, being here in Girona, that's like, it's something that we consider ourselves really fortunate to have talking to all of our, all of our friends and family that have kids back in the U S just the, the school and the, the daycare nursery school situation there is just, just really seems mental. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, dude, it sucks. Yeah, let's just call it what it is. It's my uh, yeah. My little guy was supposed to be, especially with COVID. And my little dude was supposed to start back last Thursday. He's he only goes three days a week, or he's going to start going three days a week. And um, okay. my wife's a pediatric ER doc, and we struggled to with the decision, but we decided to keep him home just because of how I mean, it's shit scary right now over yeah. here. I don't know what it's like. Yeah. That was going to be my next question to you. I don't know how bad it is where you guys are right now, but it's, it's bad here right now, man. And especially for the kids. And um, I'm like, I hate it. I hate for him that he's not getting to hang out with his buddies and whatever, but it just ugh, sucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, no easy call there. No easy way about it. It seems like, you know, we're kind of detached from the, yeah, the, the U S scene and the situation. Um, we were back there in June, but haven't been back since. So yeah, hearing from family and friends and yeah, other people, it sounds, it sounds messier than here. I think in general, if I think about like the past 18 months, the, the U S is just as the U S does mm-hmm. with things. It's just, yeah, just right. huge, like, <laughs> we live in the extremes, baby. <laughs> up and down extreme where here it was kind of like a sort of a quick ramp up and then just sort of like steady, like kind of whole linear, <laughs> Um, and that's, I think it continues to be that way here. I think I was talking to my mom yesterday and she's like, yeah, we're back to wearing masks inside now and this and that. And I'm like, we never even stopped that. You know, we've been, yeah. we, we even just haven't existed here, um, without masks and indoor spaces since, uh, last March, um, never, never stopped. Nothing's changed. And, um, you know, probably for the better, really. When you see well, I mean, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's- it's so insane, man. I just am, I'm, um, I, I'm, I'm on a level of just disappointed and angry and frustrated. And I mean, and a lot of yeah. it is because we've as a country done such a good job of making it so political instead of just like, I don't know, taking care of each other and wearing a fucking mask so that people don't get sick. Like, I mean, it's just not, it's just yeah. not hard. It's just not hard. I mean, it's, 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 I don't know. Anyways, that's a whole nother Oh yeah. Another bag of worms, but... I think, um, yeah, yeah, I think 
who knows where we'll be in five or 10 years, but I think I'll have looked back on this time with the, the opportunity to have gone a little bit between the U.S. and Spain. And I think it'll, it'll take some hindsight to sort of get perspective onto it and appreciate the different takes. And I think then the lessons will sort of come out um, a little more in hindsight from either side. But uh, yeah, I think in some ways we're, we're, we're fortunate to, to be over here or at least have that experience of, of seeing both sides of it. I think it moderates our view um, in general yeah. across the board. Yeah, my um, my parents were supposed to be in Italy right now, um, or leaving. They were supposed to be leaving on Friday, I guess, for two weeks to be over there on on vacation, and they pulled the plug on it. Not necessarily uh, because they were worried about getting sick one way or another, but more just because you know we're all vaccinated and all that good stuff. But just more like it feels weird, like yeah. going and indulging in that right now with at least with what's happening here, like watching it yeah. all and. Um, you know, and they were, they were like, man, if something, if your kids get sick while we're gone and with Michelle being at the mm. hospital, like we just can't be away. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I hate it for them. I hate that they're not going to be <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hanging out sure. in Italy oh, for a couple of weeks. But. Just, yeah. The bummer continues, but I guess on the other end of it, it's pretty nice that you guys, you have them there and they're, they're involved oh, yeah, and loving. And that was last last year when we had to make the tough decision, if we were going to weather the storm here, go back to the U S that was a big call. A big part of the call is we don't have any family here. And my wife and I were both sort of terrified, like, you know, what happens if we get sick and we got this little newborn, like, yeah, you know, what happens then? So yeah, we did the crazy, uh, crazy exodus during, during the height of it all, which is oh, in terms of dad experiences, just, terrifying brutal welcome to the club so, man like talk about yeah. <laughs> talk about being uh freshly striped and jumping in man That's, fire. yeah good lord yeah, yeah i can't i can't imagine man i think i, I would that must have been a pretty um i would think having a kid not in your home country which i know like that you guys have been over there for so long that it probably it, there's so much of it that feels like home but i would think one not, not having your kid born Yes, your home country around family, all that, and then adding all the pandemic stuff in on top of that had to be a really had to be a really challenging handful of months. Yeah, it was. It was um, it was uncomfortable and unknown and nerve wracking in so many ways. I think the uh, yeah, even yeah, looking, planning and trying to get set up for the birth over here. Like you know, we were we were confident and happy with the doctors and the level of care and the sure. hospital, but still just not having not having as many people and friends and family, um, you know, our, I feel like we have a pretty good friend and support network here, but a lot of it does come from pro cycling. Um, yeah. so that's, that's different than being, you know, in just back in, you know, homeland U S oh, for sure. with your people. So, so yeah, that, that was, that was, um, just sort of, yeah, all, all blurred together. Our, our, our parents came over for quick, quick trips right after Waylon was born. And then by the time they got back, it was like travels getting stopped and shut down. And then, um, we didn't, we didn't even have his passport yet. We had like, thankfully we had gone in to the embassy and applied for it in person, which you have to do with both parents. Um, but then that all was shutting down too. So we, we had just sort of accepted we weren't going to get it. We we're going to, you know, stay here, weather the storm here. Um, and then the embassy called us or sent us an email one day and said, like, it's here. We're not open. But if you can get here, if you want to get here, we will 
you know, someone's here and we'll give it to you. So I did this, I did this crazy psych myself up for this trip. You know, there's, there's no one out. Like, I don't think people in the U S get that either. Like when they say lockdown here, it was like house arrest, um, patrolled by police. You can go out with a paper that says you're going to the grocery store or the doctor. Um, but roads were empty. So technically I think that was a valid excuse maybe to be on the roads. Um, but I was just sweating bullets. I, I like, just you know didn't sleep the night before and got all psyched up in the morning headed out got about halfway there and then realized i didn't have my passport so i had to like turn around oh, drive back <laughs> home get my passport and then i go to the embassy which is all just you know boarded up and military guards outside and um yeah thankfully thankfully got his passport and and all ended well and after our flights being changed 20 times in 48 hours we we eventually navigated our way home See, I would think as a as a cyclist in Europe, as a professional cyclist in Europe, you would have a little bit of you could be like, "Hey, police, I'm a cyclist. Like, come on, it's fine. That's Let me through." You know, too, like, but <laughs> no, I mean, I thought I was sure. We were my teammates and I were all sure when they were talking about locking down that, like, "Oh, we're pro bike racers. We'll be able to ride outside. It's not going to be that bad." Yeah. No, like there was no bike riding outside, whether you were a pro, an amateur, the world champion, the Tour de France champion. Um, so yeah, it was it was brutal. We did a couple of weeks where we were locked in our little apartment with as new parents with uh getting on Waylon. Swift and some rollers and calling uh, it a day. Trying, <laughs> trying, but oh that that is not my forte. I'm I'm not made to ride inside. No, dude, <laughs> hell no. That's what I was yeah. I think it was uh I think it was Richie Port. He put like something up on Instagram. I think he was like in monaco or somewhere i don't remember where but like his trainers like out on this patio like overlooking the bed and i'm like you know sure. if you're gonna have to do it i guess there's worse places to have to like set a bike sure. up on a trainer but <laughs> yeah yeah so thank you yeah dude no absolutely no way so well this may you, that may have been the answer to my next question for you but what do you uh and if it was you can totally say that was my answer and we'll move on <laughs> What do you what do you feel like the most challenging moment of fatherhood has been for you so far? Oh. Yeah, I think probably the the I'd say the beginning of it. I mean every every day is challenge challenging, <laughs> I guess as you know, but um no, the the whirlwind, the radical change of becoming a parent, um doing it in a foreign country and then just sort of getting thrust into this tumultuous world time and experience where we didn't know if the sky was falling in on us or we didn't know if zombies were coming out of the, the walls or, or what that was. Um, it, it, it took a time of already, you know, hugely unknown newness um, and just extrapolated it and amplified it. And yeah, really, I guess kind of on the heels of that too, I'd say just the, the sort of isolation of pandemic parenting, like having, yeah. having those early, like, you know, I think, I think they are formative. I think um, they sure felt like it. I guess we'll find out. But the this first six months to a year where we're sort of learning what it means to be parents and not really having that support network um, that we thought we were going to have, you know, doing not having the, the grandparents that could come and hold them or actually not really having anyone who could hold them. You know, we're just yeah. doing the total no physical contact thing. And I think, um, yeah, coming from, you know, as as a pro cyclist and my wife also and I being a little older, you know, we've, we've had 
we've had almost you know 10 years of being married before we had kids and we've lived this really rich dynamic um socially beautiful adventure filled life with a lot of people and coming and going as we please and um i I feel like really prioritizing the places we go and the people we're with um so the parenthood part in itself took away or you know didn't take away but changed that a lot and then the pandemic sort of just like (laughs) i was just like Jamie handled it better than I did, but I, I was just like, you know, what? Who am I? What am I doing? Who is? Uh, what happened to my life? Yeah, what happened to my life? This is this is messed up. <laughs> yeah, it's like the only thing that's consistent still about my life is that I ride a bike. I don't know anything else going on around me right oh, now. <laughs> it's so true, honestly. I I think um, when I think back to last summer, which was still you know first six months of being a parent, we made it back to the U.S. I didn't know. I didn't know when I was racing next. We didn't know if the cycling season was ever going to continue. Our team um, had some sort of economic hardship, instituted some hard pay cuts. Um, so really uncertain time. But I was still. I took a lot of refuge and solace in just riding my bike um, yeah. for fun and enjoyment, but also because I'm good at it. And going out and feeling like I was good at something and I could control that was man, I hung on to that tight. So maybe I'm sure man. borderline dysfunctional, but <laughs> it, yeah, it works. Every, we're all a little dysfunctional. So it's all good. Right. <laughs> Here's that, yeah. So a um, uh, couple more quick questions for you, I guess. And then we'll, we'll head into our rapid fire here. What, um, what, what do you got next? What, what's the next race year? And I, this episode will come out probably in two weeks. So this may be a little outdated after you answer this, but where, where are you heading next? Yeah. So if all goes to plan, I will have just, have gone to the GP Plouay in Northwestern France. It's a one day world tour race in France that I've actually never done in my career. Um, so still doing new races. That's cool. cool. Um, pretty brutal day though. It's like 250 kilometers and 4,000 meters of climbing. Um, oh, shit, dude. all up and down. So yeah, trying to just keep my button gear for that. Um, hopefully it won't be then, as led up in the Northwest as it was at the start of the tour then for you. Cause that was, uh, that was I hope not. That was a nasty start, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one thing I've I feel like I've used all my um all my matches and uh, reserves of is is racing and riding in crap weather. So I'm just you know, I need these last uh last month or six weeks of my my racing career. I'm crossing my fingers we get some sunshine and rainbows and some some nice balmy conditions. Yeah. So what's that was that was going to be my next? What's what's the last race for you? What's when when's it done? Yeah. It's, it's sort of weird. I, I don't have like a real ceremonious finish. Like it's sort of discussing with our team directors, just where they need me. It could be like tour Croatia is on our program pretty late in the race season. Yeah. Um, there's a handful of one day races in Italy that are sort of traditional late season season enders. But um, yeah, to be honest, I, you know, I've, I feel like we had such a great time in Knoxville and I, I really like get to celebrate my career with the people who are really the most important that, um, yeah, I sort of like check that box and I feel really good about it. And I'm not like grabbing on to like, sure. I have to finish here. Or this like fairy tale has to unfold. It's like, I think largely, you know, I've, I've made a career by, by being versatile and flexible and going where the team needs me and filling in. And like, that's kind of how I started. And that's, that's kind of how I'm going to end. And, you know, who knows, it could be in some, some small race in Italy that no American has ever heard of. And, and that could be <laughs> it, but yeah, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm more excited than, than sad about it. Like I'm not, 
by no means am I like giving up the bike and, you know, who's to say I might not even jump in some form of a bike race, you know, down the road too, but it's just, I'm excited to, um, to move on from the, the pro pro road cycling side of it. But, um, my love for the bike is very much alive. So I don't feel like it's, uh, it's as traumatic or, uh, bittersweet or sad. Yeah. Well, so on that note, talk about the Bookwalter binge and like what's going on with that and what, what it benefit to just dive into that for a minute. Yeah. So yeah, the Bookwalter binge, um, is sort of the, the pure passion and love side of the, the sport of cycling for us, for Jamie, my wife and I, um, we founded it in 2014, I believe. Um, so we've had a pretty good run and it was really Jamie's, Jamie's, um, little baby to start. She was, uh, she had finished her master's, but hadn't started her PhD yet. Wanted something to sink her teeth and do. And we were kind of a few years into living in Asheville, but being over here in Girona for a lot of the year, you know, weren't really planting roots there. Weren't really, you know, digging into the community. So I wanted a way that we could engage and give back and, and create something cool for the locals and, and do something positive. So yeah, founded this, um, sort of um i guess originally it was a grand fondo that's what that's what everyone was doing at the time grand right. fondo you know long road rides um but yeah fully nonprofit. um partnered with a few different charities over the years um just trying to trying to give back and make a little ripple um so yeah last year's edition of it was took on a little different shakes we didn't even know if we could have it with all the all the covid craziness um ended up just what we called uh, the pop-up binge at the end of the year, just sort of popped up as my race season ended and um, was still, was still a great time. I think it was sort of a testament to that, that community that we have built there and um, a lot of good people that have, you know, that we've met um, that you know, doing the binge way back in 2014 are still there today. And then every year we have, you know, new people that, drive in from somewhere on the east coast or even fly across the country um you know want an excuse to ride in the the beautiful blue ridge mountains of of Asheville, the Asheville area north carolina and um yeah for me that's what it's all about that's you know i went to college up the road at lee's mccray college and riding in those mountains um was really formative in, in my career in my life and so to be able to sort of also give that back to people um an excuse to enjoy and explore and and uh really celebrate that um yeah that's it's, what it's all about it's such a beautiful area man i i um i raced for the university of kentucky for uh a couple of years in college and um we would do we would you know because enjoyed being stupid i guess our spring break those couple of years we would always drive over to boone and you know do a spring ca- spring training camp over there and uh, oh yeah man it's just it, you can't you just can't beat the Western North Carolina area of just riding. I mean, just w- the views, the wildlife, as we were talking about at the beginning, I mean, everything, it is just, yeah. it is just, it's God's country, man. It's beautiful to ride in. It is. I love it. It's still, yeah, I've been all over the world of racing all the mountains in Europe and um, raced on, you know, a bunch of different continents. And it's still for me, it's, the, it's my favorite place to ride. Um, and there's, there's so much, there's so many roads and trails and gravel roads. And that's what we're doing with the binge. Um, last year kind of evolved because of the pub nature of it. This year, it's going to be the same. We're, we're being a little more flexible on routes. So we're going to have mountain bike routes, gravel bike routes, road bike routes. Cool. Um, the ride's still going to sort of have this pop-up nature where we're not going to have a critical mass, you know, two or three route, big rollout. Yeah. It's a little more come and go, choose your own adventure. 
um, which I think kind of goes with the times too. And it goes with also where I'm at, you know, in my, in my life with the bike now as well. I'm going to, I want to be able to wake up in the morning and, you know, pull my bike a choice off the wall or look at the weather and say, you know, I'm going to, we're going to go way up the, you know, into the Black Mountains, um, outside of Black Mountain today and get real high elevation or, ooh, it looks kind of cold. We're going to, yeah. you know, stay low, <laughs> stay low down by Old Fort. Um, so yeah, really something for everyone. And then we're going to have a bit of a, you know, sort of twofold, um, party celebration after the ride, um, to sort of celebrate my career and also, uh, the crazy year that all the all the bingers have had so yeah man well i i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to make the trip over the mountains for it for the, this year okay. i uh, you know other than it being cold because you decide to do it in december but you know other than that we'll be all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah this year's a little earlier um we i think we just got a date on the calendar finally with the uncertainty of my race schedule but october 30th oh, okay um yeah october 30th so a little little sooner and uh, hopefully a little little more moderated with the weather. We've had everything. We we had um, actually the first edition of the binge. We had to cancel the ride because a massive snowstorm rolled in, um, <laughs> which which also sort of set the tone for the event. We had this amazing snow day party. We had a uh, back at that back at that time we had the the ride based out of Pisgah Brewing in Black Mountain. Yeah. So we had we had the brewery all blocked out that first year. Had our food all set up, um, you know, beer taps were on and we had had our special guests there and had a, a bit of a snow day party. So that's we, fun, we have man. People, like, people that come back every year and they're like, can we just do that again? Like, I don't actually <laughs> want to do the ride, man. Like, you know, I want to hang out. So we'll, we'll do that too. Very cool. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That October makes it even that much more enticing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to popping over the mountains and doing that with you guys this year. Um, Great. We'll do it. Well, oh no, man, I'm there. I'm there. Let's, um, <laughs> well, let, let's jump into our rapid fire here. So, um, the first question to you, what's your, uh, what's your drink of choice? Mm. As you drink water, come on. Water. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say, uh, probably an IPA. Okay. Probably. Yeah. West coast IPA. Probably is something. is the IPA craze as as wild in Europe as it has it's been in the states? Not as, but it's coming. It's coming yeah. along here. There's, there's a bunch of craft brews popping up, and um, they're really into the hazy IPAs here. I think yeah, every brewery does a lot of hazies. Um, and actually, even this summer when we were back in the U.S., I felt like it maybe last year too. I felt like the hazy train is really rolling in Asheville now. Oh yeah, man. It's, um, I feel it's like here they even anticipated that a little bit, but I think it was just, uh, maybe an origination of style. So, so yeah, I'd, I'd say an IPA at the end of the day is sort of my go-to something I can, yeah, always just sort of, uh, try to, uh, turn, turn dad brain off and, um, yeah, kick <laughs> back, but it's still going to let me go train the next day. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> What's uh next question. What's, What's been the most annoying song, show, or or movie you've had to deal with since uh, becoming a dad with Waylon? Oh, song, show, or movie? Um, we we are just we're like detached from TV. We we very rarely had the um had the TV on. We tried to medicate him with an iPad on our last transatlantic flight, and he honestly <laughs> didn't even want it. We're like, no, this is your chance, man. You finally. You finally get this screen. You're gonna love this. And Don't mess like, this up. <laughs> no, I want to terrorize these 200 people on this plane. <laughs> so, um, gosh, well, 
our, um, we did, we did like the hardcore sleep training thing with Waylon. And we had a part of that was like picking a song that we were going to put him down with. So we, we picked, um, John Denver country road. There you go. Um, <laughs> so you've heard which it. I love and my wife loves, um, yeah, we love it. But like, I sang that song. I sang that chorus a lot, a lot, <laughs> a, lot a lot. And especially sitting in there singing it in a dark room on repeat when we were trying to, <laughs> trying to teach him to sleep. That was, um, that tested me in a new way. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's probably the most uh, creative answer we've had on that. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's, uh, what's the most important lesson that you learned from your dad? Ooh, good question. Um, I guess how to put a worm on a fishing hook. There you go. <laughs> did, teach a man to fish. Did, did, a, did, a, did a fair bit of that with him. Um, yeah, I think I think more than anything, my parents were really formative in my my professional life and this livelihood I've had. In that they, I felt I felt loved um, unconditionally, not based on performance. Um, and I think that's that sort of translated over to my life. I think, you know, as a weakness, as a pro cyclist, I'm maybe not the most hardcore assassin um, out there relative to my peers, but um, sort of the, sort of the like, don't forget why you love it. Keep showing up. Um, don't define yourself by only by the success or the the result. Um, I think that's a lesson that, yeah, my parents instilled in me and still with me. That's cool, man. That's, that's a great answer. Um, not that I'm here to judge you on your answers, but I like, uh, it's a great answer to hear. Um, what's, what's something you've learned from Waylon? Oh, (laughs) 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 that I'll never have enough energy to keep up with him. Um, I think more than anything, it's a, it's that, um, and is to, the beauty and the the beauty and the simplicity of every day, like the the wonder of the world around us that he can he can look at this, he can pick a tomato off the vine and look at it and be so, so excited about it. And I mean, I'm I'm an outdoor lover, I'm a biologist, like I'm I'm in awe of the natural world. But I'll have to say as a as I've went through adulthood, I've sort of gotten away from the the amazement and, and such little things, but sure. he's a lesson, every, a lesson every day into just soaking that up and, and really um, embracing the wonder of it. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. Um, all right. Last rapid fire question to you. What, what trade of yours do you hope that uh, Waylon inherits? Ooh, traits. Got a few of them. I don't want them to inherit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we can start there. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, Gosh, well, I'd, I'd say it's a trait of his, of mine that I would like him to inherit that he already seems to have nailed is persistence. I think of, I'm, I'm generally pretty persistent and that dude, I guess that most toddlers, it doesn't, doesn't give up. So um, <laughs> right now it's causing us a bit of grief, but um, yeah, right. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd, I'd be quite happy to see him carry that, carry that forward and, and make the most of it. Just got to learn what to do with it. Right. You got to, you got to channel it, channel it the right way. (laughs) Please buddy, please. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, man, thank you. I, I, those, those are some great answers to those. I I have, um, I said it on a, one of our earlier shows this season, but, um, I've got a handful of questions that I just randomly choose from, but those last three have really become quite fun for me to, 
ask everyone of, you know, something you learned from your dad, something you've learned from your kids and that trait thing. I just, those are really cool insights into people's. I like it, man. Yeah. You're, you're, you're doing a, you're doing well to be thought provoking um, for the community. I think that's, those are all things that, yeah, we can ask ourselves and and continue to sort of marinate on and contemplate. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I have said it before, but fatherhood's this great parenthood in general, but fatherhood's this great equalizer. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's this thing that it doesn't matter if you're a professional cyclist or a news anchor or an author or whatever, but it, it's, it's this, uh, it's this great unifier of <laughs> humbling us all. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh man. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud to be in the, in the guild and the community for sure. I, I feel uh, a, a different connection from all the dads than I ever would have imagined. And I, I still can't get over how like crappy of a friend I was to all my friends who had kids before me, just how aloof <laughs> and like, <laughs> it's like, what, what a bonehead. I was all those, all those, all those friends that became dads before me. I was just so clueless. So yeah, you don't know till you're in it, man. Thanks, it's thanks definitely one of those before things. Me that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, man, take a, take a second here as we, we wind the show down and tell people, you know, how to, if you want to talk about the book, Walter binge, how people can sign up for it, find out more about it, where to follow you on social, all that, you know, all the good jazz. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, come check us out at the book, Walter binge. It's bookwalterbinge.com. Um, all the info will be there. Also book, Walter binge on Instagram and Twitter. And then my personal channels are at Brent Bookwalter um, at Instagram and Twitter. Um, and then BrentBookwalter.com um, sort of has, yeah, more of a chronicled media history. Um, so, yeah, well, I love um, I love hearing from from other fans, um, friends, dads, um, strangers. So, um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say reach out, hit me up and come see us at the binge. Uh, this fall, it's a great time to to meet and connect and keep talking and rapping dads and bikes and whatever else we can come up with between now and then. Well, absolutely, man. Well, it, as a as a long fan of the sport and everything, it's I um, it's cool seeing kind of you know the tears of the Americans in the sport as as they've progressed through. So I congratulate you on a on an awesome career and thanks for being a thanks for being an influence on the sport here because it's it is um we still got a lot of growing to do in the U S but I think we've got some really great pillars of the sport that have, have held the mantle for a long time and are continuing to do so. So it's uh, as a fan, thank you. It's been, it's been cool to watch your career. I oh, appreciate that Palmer. It means a lot. Yeah. It's the, the, the connection with the people involved and um, the inspiration I've taken and hopefully can give back just a, sh- a shred of it is yeah. One of the most rewarding parts of it. So means a lot thank you yeah man it's such a great my daughter does um she's actually we're she, we're going tonight for her second session she's doing that little bella's mountain biking program i don't know oh, if you've heard wonderful that oh yeah. yeah that's um that was founded by some old mountain bike teammates of mine leah oh, and cool. saber davidson yeah we were we were mountain bike teammates way back in the junior days and um that's that's their little baby and all all over the country and just what a what a program Absolutely, man. I am blown away. I mean, and they've got like, it's like 50 or 60 year olds out there in South Knoxville, just shredding it up and like, just so cool. And it's an excuse for me to be able to get on my bike for two hours every Tuesday night, you know, while I'm out there with her, but, but just, uh, definitely. Oh man. No, I, I totally agree. I, I hope 
I hope if we have another kid, we have a girl so we can get him in little, get her in little dollars. <laughs> It's uh well yeah what a program that's awesome and you guys have such a really Knoxville's done an amazing job too with the the trail network there and the wild the accessibility and the yeah really really awesome I was so. I was just telling Kevin when we were having coffee I, I'm like as much as I I don't really hate to get another bike but I got to get a gravel bike now man I'm like I need I got to get a gravel I can't can't live in Knoxville and not have a gravel bike anymore <laughs> yeah we're hooked. yeah we're all junkies part of the just gotta 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 run that shit by the wife and figure out how to how to slide that one in right (laughs) it's it's physical therapy mental therapy social therapy it's It's safer than being on a road bike right i mean it's gotta be you don't want me riding on the roads you want me riding gravel where there's not cars come on (laughs) definitely definitely get that quiver killer you can just yeah get the one one road bike one gravel bike and call it a day absolutely um um, well, Brent, man, thank you again for, for coming on the pod, everything you mentioned about the book, Walter binge, all that stuff, all of our listeners know that'll be in our show notes and up on our episode web, webpage at, uh, wake dead, drink, repeat.com. So folks can find all the links there. Thank you everyone for being a part of the wake dead, drink, repeat community. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. As always remember, wake dead, drink, repeat. Cheers, everyone. Wake Dead, Drink, Repeat is an independently run podcast that is edited and produced by me, Anthony Palmer. I would love to hear your thoughts on the show. Give us a follow on social media, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or shoot me an email at todaysdad at wakededrinkrepeat.com. Thanks for listening.